Hello, friends. This is Katie Langston from the Enter the Bible podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. We're in the process of getting season four ready for an August release, but in the meantime, we wanted to re-release a few episodes into your feed. Today, we're re-releasing an episode that we discovered wasn't correctly added to your feed, so there's a good chance you missed it the first time around. This comes from a listener question, what on earth does the story of Tamar mean? Michael Chan joins us to reflect on this difficult passage from the Old Testament. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. This is Michael Chan. He's a professor of Old Testament at Luther Seminary. Uh, and is the host of the Gospel Beautiful podcast, which is very beautiful and about the gospel. So you should listen to it because <laughs> it's awesome. And I An appropriate always... name. That's right. That's right. Um, cool. So today we're answering a listener question. Um, and this comes via our website, which, of course, dear listener, if you would like to submit a question, you can at enterthebible.org. And there's a little button at the top that says, got questions. And you click that little button and there's a form, you fill it out. We get the questions and try to answer as many as we can on the show. So this question says, what on earth is the story of Tamar supposed to mean? Eight X question marks afterward. (laughs) And it's a very, very confusing story. I won't lie. It's like one of those things where you're like, the Old Testament is so weird. Like, forgive me, both of you, but sometimes the Old Testament is so weird. It is. It, it can be very strange. I like to describe the Old Testament. I think Catherine will appreciate this as Leviathan. You just can't put it on a leash, right? <laughs> and it just keeps, it's so wild and it keeps getting away from you. And this is a great example of that. Yeah. That's great. I like that, Michael. For those who don't know, Leviathan is the sea monster referenced a few times in scripture, including at the end of Job. So. Yeah. Well, okay, so Tamar, first we should say there are two stories, uh, uh, two stories of two women named Tamar, uh, oh. one of whom is uh, one of David, King David's daughters. But I assume, I'm pretty sure that this one refers to the first Tamar. Yes, uh, in Genesis 38. Genesis 38. So let's summarize it real quick. Um, so this comes in the middle or towards the beginning of the Joseph story. So Joseph from the Old Testament, of course, Jacob's uh, young, one of his youngest sons who is beloved by Jacob and ends up getting sold into slavery by his brothers and then, you know, rises to become second uh, to Pharaoh. This is, you know, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, for those of you who know that musical or Prince of Dreams, my kids like that. Uh, I, I don't know if it's Disney or whatever uh, animated uh, film. I did. I did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in high school. Yeah, and who my were friend, you? I was just yeah, in the chorus, but my well, I was just in the chorus, but my friend Kate and I were such terrible dancers that they had us do inter- fake interpretive dance during the scene changes so that <laughs> they could be mean and make fun of us. <laughs> So you were the comic relief. Was the, right. Because there's not enough in that show. <laughs> keep going. Sorry. Well, uh, all right. So 
so right before this chapter 37 of Genesis, we get Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. And then right after this, you get the story of Joseph in Egypt and being accused by Potiphar's wife, uh, right, of, of trying to rape her. But in between, then you get this story of Tamar and not just Tamar, but Judah. These are the two main characters in this story. So Judah, if you remember, is one of the older brothers uh, of Joseph, he's the son of Jacob, and uh, he's, it's worth noting, he's the ancestor, Judah is, of the major, one of the major tribes in Israel. He's the ancestor of King David. He's the ancestor then of Jesus as well. Uh, and so is Tamar. Tamar is one of the four women listed as uh, uh, an ancestress of of Jesus in the genealogy at the beginning of Matthew. So it's worth noting that too. But you have to admit, it's a strange story. So uh, Judah has three sons. Tamar marries the first one. She's a Canaanite. Uh, she's not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. Um, she, uh, uh, the first son dies. She uh, marries the second one because there's this law in Israel uh, called the law of leveret marriage, where if one brother dies without having children, then his brother has to marry the widow and the first son to be born is raised up as the dead brother's son. Right. So it's important to know that law. That sounds uh, sketchy, though, in the background, maybe sketchy. I, you know, I wouldn't want to marry any of my brothers in law, but, you know, <laughs> I, I love my brothers in law, but no, exactly, no. exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, so so that so that's why uh, she marries the second son. The second son dies in sketchy circumstances, which we won't get into right now. But. Okay, it's not about masturbation. Let me just say about this story. <laughs> just tell. I know you, now been, you have to tell it. <laughs> I know it's been used for that purpose, but it's really that's not the point of the story. So because the, the second son, uh, uh, he second does son, not. He spills his seed on the ground there when they go. are engaged in relations, so as right. not to impregnate Tamar. Right. And because then he, God is so mad about it that God strikes him dead. Yes. So Can that's I interject a bad one point after that? Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I just want to, this connects to the other po another podcast that we did about resurrection that uh, part of the part of the issue here is whether the, the dead brother's name will continue to live oh, yeah. on. This is the central concern and why it's a problem that a brother would not engage in leverage marriage because now his brother's name will not uh, continue to live into the future. And in, in many ways, uh, a damned life, a condemned life was one in which one does not have sons who will continue one's name. And so this is, I think, just the name has important resonances with the story of Abraham and Sarah who cannot have children as well. And so it's easy to just read this story and kind of filter it through a modern lens, but I think it's better to kind of recognize the deep concern for one's name and how that in many ways even represented a kind of analog to eternal life. I do have to note how women just are not, that what women want in this story is yeah. not very well regarded. That so I'm true. just well, pointing true. that out. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, that that's a that's an excellent point, Michael. You're right. It's it's about the name living on. So uh, anyway, the second son dies. Third, there is a third son, but and Judah says, you know, wait till he gets older, and then I'll give uh, him to you in marriage. 
Um, and then he kind of sends Tamar away uh, and has no intention of giving her his third son or letting his third son marry her. Uh, and so the, when she realizes that, then she engages in some deception. She dresses up as a prostitute. She, uh, uh, Judah uh, sleeps with her. There's some other stuff about um, Judah gives her a, a pledge, uh, his signet and his cord uh, to promise her that he will pay her later. Basically, it's kind of an IOU. What's Debt always signet? gets you into trouble. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> What's a signet and a cord, though? Oh, that's a good question. Is it like a ring? Yeah, I think it's probably I think it's the ring or the or the impression that you put on the wax uh, yeah. seal. Okay. I don't Cylinders. remember. Is the cord just what the signet is on? I, I I don't recall that offhand. Okay. Sometimes the cylinder seals had, you know, as a, the name indicates, a kind of hole through them. And so one could imagine that a cord might go through. Yeah. Keep okay. track of it, something like that. So that's so, like an IOU. It's like it's like yeah, it's an IOU. driver's license with the yeah. this is my know. ID. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So then she ends up getting pregnant, which is what she what the purpose of this was. And uh and then she's about to be uh killed because she's, you know, been unfaithful to her dead husband. Again, this is not from the woman's point of view. Uh and um and then she uh, she sends the signet and the cord to Judah, and she says, "Take note, please, whose these are—the signet and the cord. Oh, and the staff. She's given, uh, he's given her his staff." Then Judah says something interesting. He says, "Judah acknowledged them and said, she is more in the right than I, since I did not give her to my son Sheila, uh, and uh, Sheila." And then uh, when she, so she saved her life is saved when. Uh, when the time of her delivery came, there were twins in her room, womb. Uh, and so she has uh, twins, parrots, and Zara. Parrots is the one through which the line of Jesus comes. So, so what do we do with this? It is a really weird story. That was the summary. Uh, I would just say, I would say a few things. One, even though it seems to be stuck in the middle of the Joseph story without any context, there are some connections between those two stories that are really significant. Uh, some are just verbal connections. So uh, like that, that verse I just noted, take note please whose these are, is the same thing that the brothers say to Jacob um, when uh, it's in, in the Hebrew, when they bring the, the multi, the coat of many colors back dipped in goat's blood, they say to Jacob, this we have found see now whether it is your son's robe or not. So there's some verbal connections there. I know that's really tenuous, but um, anyway, the, the more significant connection that, uh, that I learned from my doctor father, John Levinson, Jewish scholar, uh, is about this, uh, the, the figure of Judah. So mm -hmm. the Joseph story is certainly about Joseph, but it's also about Judah in the sense that Judah starts out being very jealous of Joseph and wants to, you know, sell him into slavery and get rid of him. And, but by the end of the story, Judah is the one who, um, who, who, who saves Benjamin or uh, tries to, he offers himself in Benjamin's place when, um, when Joseph threatens to uh, take Benjamin as a slave. So Judah really grows in compassion and in, um, in, 
kind of self-awareness and in care for his his elderly father. And here's here's this story I think is key here because Judah loses two sons to death and he doesn't want to lose his third son. Later on in the story, Jacob, their father, um, he loses Joseph, of course, and then he loses Simeon because Simeon has been imprisoned by Joseph. Uh, they don't know it's Joseph, but he's been in prison. And, and he's not willing to send Benjamin uh, down to Egypt because he doesn't want to lose his third son. And it's Judah who convinces him to give up his third son. Judah, who knows the pain that Jacob is going through, says to his father, you know, let the boy go down, otherwise all of us will starve to death. Let the boy go down and I myself will stand surety for him. I myself will, I pledge to bring him back to you, right? I'll mm -hmm. give my own life to bring him back to you. So it's, I think the story of, of Judah and Tamar is about a lot of things, but at least one thing is Judah kind of learning to learning to live with the fact that he's not the favored one, right? Mm -hmm. Judah learning to love his father and his brothers uh, and learning to give of himself um, out of compassion uh, in, a, in, a, in a more mature way than at the beginning of the story. That's a, that's a beautiful reading, Catherine. I would add just one tiny uh, bit to it, that it, in, in 37, when Joseph eventually gets sold, it is Judah's idea not to kill him and instead to sell him. Now that's not like, I'm not trying to praise the guy because that's like from, from one bad idea to another, to a less bad, a terrible idea, but it is Judah, in fact, who, who suggests that. And I think you're right. It's almost like uh, you could imagine, you know, how young children in peer pressure can be so mean to one another in groups. He is the sort of one who you can tell is uncomfortable with what is happening um, and ultimately, you know, kind of moves in, in a better direction. But like for the, for the Star Wars fans, he is the Finn of this story in, you know, Finn, the former stormtrooper who leaves the, who doesn't want to kill people, right? Yeah, for the yeah, empire. Yeah. That, that is how Judah is. And, and so I think you're right to kind of hone in on his character development there. I think it's, it, it's worth noting. Um, it's worth talking about Tim tomorrow too. Tamar or tomorrow, you can say it either way. Um, she, the, again, Judah says she's more righteous than I am, right? Like she, could have just wasted away as a widow for the rest of her life, ignored by the men in her life or the Judah, her father-in-law. But she takes matters into her own hands and, and does it in such a way that she's fulfilling that um, deliberate law of marriage, right? And fulfilling the, what Michael, what you were talking about before that, that um, impulse or that need to uh, to, to continue the line, uh, for, for the line of her dead husband uh, to continue. And so she, she's more righteous because she's fulfilling the law uh, and, and Judah is not. You think so prostitution also... is fine. <laughs> no, 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 that's not. <laughs> I know. But that's going to uh, be a question that people are thinking of. Michael, go ahead and then we'll talk about No, that. that's okay. I Well, first of all, the the... The lesson here is that families are really messed up, and that if your yes. <laughs> is that if your family is messed this up, a hot mess just a you know there. read read the stories of Abraham and Jacob's family, and you'll probably feel better about your situation. Um, but the <laughs> the, the second <laughs> That's point, a great lesson. Yes, amen to that. <laughs> is that Tamar is very much like Jacob, 
right? As a trickster character oh, yeah. um, who, who gets what she needs or what she wants. And, and she does so kind of uh, on, um, as a, a general Michael Hayden used to say about the NSA, she has chalk on her cleats meaning she plays the edges. You know what I mean? That she plays on the edges and, but ultimately sort of gets her, gets her job done. So like Jacob, he very much plays on the edges. That's really interesting. I like that piece. But I mean, the fact, back to this fact that Tamar is one of the four women named in Jesus' yeah. genealogy. I mean, that, that's significant. Like she's, she's not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. She, she plays on the edges. She's a trickster figure. She dresses up as a prostitute, and yet in the end, she's she's remembered as um, as, as a righteous woman, right? As as a one who who is bold uh, and does what she needs to do in order to fulfill um, the law. So, but what? Yes, that's all awesome. And so, but I do think a question sort of remaining is like, what do we do with the sort of implied sexual ethics of this text? Because there's prostitution and there's leveret marriage and there's seed spilling. <laughs> there's all kinds of things going on in the text that are, you know, you know, that wouldn't translate culturally that we wouldn't you know recommend as part of a of a of a christian sexual ethics so, so what do we do with like things like that in the bible that seem to be kind of the opposite of things that we were taught you know in sunday school that we should do or not do go do you want to go first Catherine? Well, i'll just say um yeah one thing i would say is yes it's problematic um and it's a different culture and it's a different time, right? Reading the Bible is a cross-cultural experience. I mean, this, this is long ago and far away, you know, in a, in a galaxy far, far away to use a Star Wars thing. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's, it's different. It's a different culture. And the, so Leverett, I'm going to set aside the, you know, pretending to be a prostitute um, uh, first, but uh, I, I, we, we had a podcast earlier with John Collins, who's a great Old Testament scholar who talked about biblical values is, uh, is kind of a misnomer that there are, you know, um, hmm. that, that, it, that it is a different culture, that the values may not be what we have now. And some of the values we have now may not, you know, may not, or are not talked about specifically in scripture. But um, so it's a cross-cultural experience. Uh, but something like leveret marriage, again, that, that value placed on continuing a, a particular man's line uh, or name is still uh, practiced in some cultures today. Like I, I, I know some of my African students uh, talked about, you know, uh, a, a man dying without children and then, uh, and then someone else from the family acting as the husband and raising up children in the dead man's name. So it's not oh, wow. completely um, foreign to our world today. So I, I don't, I guess I don't have a problem with that kind of sexual ethic. I think it's a bit, it's very specific, uh, a specific culture, right? That values uh, that. I think that dressing up as a prostitute is more problematic. Um, 
but it it's I, I think part of it is what Michael was talking about earlier, that kind of trickster tale, right? That that audiences that this is an oral story, uh, almost certainly passed down from generation to generation. And that's it's you can imagine people kind of uh, enjoying that story, right? This the 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 trickster figure. Um, a woman, uh, you know, a widow, uh, a, a pretty vulnerable member of society, kind of um, tricking the the patriarch uh, into doing what he was supposed to do in the first place. Well, and I do think it's telling that sh- that Tamar gets remembered as a righteous woman, as you know, as as a as a heroine, as it were, because you know sometimes we think, well, that's the bad person and that's the good person right and kind of sometimes god is like yeah no those categories are a little bit fuzzier than you think (laughs) or than you want them to be yeah 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 she's not she's not actually a prostitute i think it's important to say that (laughs) the bible does not look kindly on prostitutes for the most part but uh you know we can talk about rahab in the book of judges of course who Uh ends up being who is a prostitute and ends up being more righteous than the israelite spies who come to her house so yeah it's it's not you know it's a sinner and saint kind of thing right we're all at the same time sinners and saints and i the point here is not you know commending dressing up as a prostitute the point is uh to to be faithful to um to what god has instructed you know through the leveret marriage law and uh um and i lost my train of thought sorry (laughs) but but it's also yeah that's right faithful to the lever law and faithfulness in a situation that in which her her lever the levers she can pull to be yes. faithful are very limited mm-hmm. and and so not unlike esther right i think Catherine, you're yeah. writing on esther right now she's yeah. a jew in the court of a persian king and so what does it look like to be faithful when the entire kind of environment around you is not designed for you to be faithful in yeah thanks michael that that's what i was gonna say her, her uh, tamar is and you're right esther's um choices are very limited right? Like women, thank God, have a lot more choices these days in this era. Uh, so yeah, you have to, you have to read it also in, in the cultural context in which it is where women don't have the kind of power that, uh, that we have now. Uh, mm-hmm. And so she, she does what she has to do. She does something that may look sketchy, but, uh, but has good results. So uh, we could we could go on, we could talk about that. Hopefully this helped explain that question, what on earth is the story of Tamar supposed to mean with the eight <laughs> question marks behind it? Um, I know it's probably not completely satisfactory, but hopefully it shed a little more light on this, uh, on this very strange tale. Um, but thank you for that question. Thank you to the, the listener who sent that question. And thank you listeners for listening to this episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. And thank you to... Michael Chan for uh, joining us again today. Uh, You can get more high uh, quality courses and commentaries and resources, videos and reflections at enterthebible.org. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app and share the podcast with a friend. Thank you again, Michael. Good to have you with us.